Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're totally going to love today's episode because instead of talking about biochemistry here, it's all about the software in your head. And we're going to talk about a specific six-step process that you can use to change the voice in your head. So go ahead and listen through to the entire episode and you'll hear at the end uh, a new answer to that question that I ask in every single episode. You're going to like this one. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Today's cool fact of the day is that scientists have discovered how gecko lizards regrow their tails. And a researcher at the University of Guelph figured out that their tail has a special kind of stem cell known as a radial glia. And lots of lizards can break off a piece of their tail to avoid a predator and then grow a new one. And what's weird is that the tail includes their spinal cord. And they found the spinal cord has a huge number of these stem cells and proteins that support stem cell growth, and that they're growing new tissue and a new spinal cord, which is awesome, because if they can figure out how lizards grow new spinal cords, maybe they can figure out how we could grow new spinal cords, or even better yet, you could grow an extra spinal cord growing out of your forehead and grow superpowers. Okay, maybe that last part's a little bit high, but I can tell you, Salamanders can also regrow their legs, which is why they're one of my favorite animals. And if you look at early Bulletproof products and even some of my books, there's a salamander hidden in them because salamanders are that cool. It's like a little Easter egg, but only for people who are cool enough to listen to this episode of Bulletproof Radio. And before we get into today's show, I wanted to tell you about Bulletproof Sleep Mode. Bulletproof Sleep Mode is a very unusual kind of sleep enhancement supplement. And I like to say you can power down so you can charge up. It's a total solution for efficient, restful, and just refreshing sleep. It's got stress relievers to help you relax and stay asleep. There's lots of things out there that sort of load you up with herbs that sort of knock you out. It's like the herbal equivalent of Ambien. This is about supporting detox systems, a very light dose of plant-derived melatonin, and I've found that it really improves my sleep efficiency. And when I stack it with um, other sleep technologies, I've written about all sorts of those things, I can double my deep sleep very effectively. Uh, and that's made a huge, a huge difference for me just to recover, even if I'm only sleeping. Like on this recent trip, I slept uh, four hours in one night, but I had three hours of dreaming and deep sleep, which means my sleep efficiency was through the roof. And four hours probably isn't enough every night, but hey, sometimes that's all you got. So that's called Sleep Mode. Go to Bulletproof.com and check it out. And there is no other sleep supplement like it on the market, and it won't knock you out the way things like valerian root will. So give it a shot. It's called Sleep Mode. All right. Today's guest is Gabby Bernstein. She just wrote a new book called Judgment Detox, releasing the beliefs that hold you back from a better life. She's a five times best-selling author. She's regularly on the Dr. Oz show. I guess I can say I'm regularly on there with you, Gabby, because I've been on there at least twice. And, and Oprah called you a next generation thought leader, which is kind of cool. So welcome to the show. Dave, I'm going to be looking for salamanders and I'm going to be <laughs> wanting to, to get that rest. I, I need some sleep mode and you got a lot for me already. <laughs> Happy uh, my, to be here. My other favorite animal would be the, the naked mole rat. What? Uh, <laughs> it's called the naked mole rat. These things live like 10 or 20 times longer than normal mole rats do. And they have extra cells for processing 
uh, oxygen. They live in like low oxygen burrows and they're just these incredibly long lived, incredibly ugly little animals. So I want to cross a salamander and a mole rat and it'll be like, you know, they'll take over the planet. I'm telling you. They can live anywhere and they can regenerate their spines and they're good. Yeah, okay. totally. I'm, we're going to build superheroes starting with naked mole rats. Okay. All right. Now, the reason I wanted to have you on the show had nothing to do with uh, nakedness or mole rats or salamanders, although that was an interesting opening. It's because, A, I saw you, I was at the Oprah event as well, uh, and I, I saw you on stage. I was really impressed, and we've had a few chances to chat. And one of the things that messes with people is that we'll say that their software doesn't work. So quite often on the bulletproof side of things, I'm like, look, you're not making enough energy in your cells and that creates stress, which creates, you know, worse voices in your head and things like that. But the self judgment thing is a huge part of performing better because even if you're doing well and you tell yourself you're not doing well and you're judging yourself or judging other people, it totally messes with your, your head. And I know that was uh, not, that was a behavior that I had in spades earlier in my career that was not very helpful. So I wanted to have you on to talk about you know, what, what do you mean by judgment detox and maybe to offer some tips to people listening about, you know, about how they can handle self-judgment and judgment of others and why it matters if you want to perform better. I love that this is the direction you're going in because judgment is one of the most debilitating things that gets in the way of, of really high performance and overall happiness, well-being, stress reduction, and just general, a sense of self-worth. So I'm, I'm thrilled that you're, that you're seeing it from this angle as well and seeing how it can be a big block to truly, truly performing at your best. So thank you for taking that direction. I, uh, I took on this very big topic for this book. It's, it's, it's not a small topic. It's a topic that is a pervasive issue. It is something that I believe has always been an issue, but it's so heightened right now because we wake up in the morning and many of us turn to our social. It's almost like even if I commit not to look at my Instagram when I wake up in the morning, somehow I still do, right? So somehow we find our way into our social feed and the moment we wake up, we're comparing and in effect judging Gabby, in I'm, some way. I'm judging you for looking at Instagram right now. You are judging me. No. <laughs> <laughs> I actually judge myself when I wake up in the morning. I'm like, why would you, you know, I, I'll turn my, to my phone for a passage in A Course in Miracles and then somehow like lo literally lose my brain and find my way to my Instagram. It's like something will happen that will lead me to that because it's such an addictive pattern, not just social media, but the, the, the comparison and judgment. So I took a brave, bold step, Dave, by putting myself on the cover of this book. So this is the, this is the book and here I am with my face and it says judgment detox. So this is, this is pretty brave to be honest with you, because I opened the book by saying I judge all the time and I judge myself. I judge the way people parent their children. I judge people online at the bank. I judge, you know, I'm judging on social and writing this book has of course, death definitely healed a lot of those patterns, but I had to come out and come clean that this was an issue that I was facing that I had to, to make sure that we could address globally. So, uh, what I have found from a, from the standpoint of detoxing from judgment and feeling more productive and, and, and feeling a greater sense of self-worth and feeling like I'm, I'm able to, to create more and attract more and be a better person in the world is that these processes completely changed me. And just like any book that you've written, you've applied them to yourself. You have to live them to really be an expression of the truth that you're writing. And so I put myself through this process 
and I, I have never been the same. So I, I'm actually quite, quite thrilled to share with you some of the things that have happened. So why is judgment such a bad thing? I, I mean, isn't it helpful? I'm asking this rhetorically, to be perfectly honest. I understand it. <laughs> but like, I'm sure people listening are like, okay, so if someone's a jerk, I judge them to be a jerk. And what's the big deal about it? So listen, there's a difference between judgment and discernment. So of course we have to be discerning. <laughs> that was and, my next question. You're, you're so good. <laughs> and, and we have to, and we have to know what feels right in our, in our core, but we can also know what's right or wrong for us and take that stance from a place of non-judgment. We can say, I discern that this is not right for me, but I'm not going to judge it. And what happens when we're in a, in an energy of judgment, in a belief system of judgment, is that we're creating a sense of separation. From a spiritual perspective, we are all one. We are all connected. We are all kind. We are all compassionate. We are all loving. We are all awesome. We have so much strength, greatness, intuition, inner wisdom. When we begin to detour into the belief systems of judgment and separation and attack and comparison and less than and littleness and self-attack and self-judgment, we separate from that source. We separate from what we could call God, the universe, whatever you believe your connection to a spiritual relationship may be. And in that separation, we detour into fear and we create a world that is based on belief systems of that separate mind. Ultimately, that separation blocks us from our greatest source of power, our greatest source of strength, and, and just, just really bring it into layman's terms, inspiration. It blocks us from, from a feeling of connection. It blocks us from a sense, of, a sense of, of, of feeling worthy. And it blocks us, worst of all, from, from our relationship to that presence of, the high, of a higher power that is guiding us. So we lose a connection to our inner guidance system. Why are we wired to judge other people? When we are young, we have a, all of us in our own unique ways have these imprinted experiences, whether they be major traumatic events or minor, seemingly insignificant events that in some way made us feel inadequate, separate, and not good enough in some way, shape, or form. If we know, you know what your stories are. I know what my stories are. Sometimes we have to remember what those stories are because we've dissociated from them, but they're so painful. And they've, they, the fear of ever feeling that feeling again is what ultimately begins to create the tapestry that becomes our life. So we judge in order to project out what we do not want to feel within. And so that projection is a defense mechanism. In many ways, it becomes an addictive pattern. Think about it. Why do we overeat? Why do we drink? Why do we, why do we do any, all of our addictive patterns are just merely to anesthetize the deep rooted wounds that live beneath our discomfort. And so throughout this book, I really help guide the reader to start to look at those wounds. We're going to have to take a step back. By the way, I agree with what you said. There are a substantial number of people listening to this who are saying, what do you mean wounds? Right, like, yeah. like explain this early childhood stuff and how that could lead to judgment. Because if if you're a student of self development or personal development and and sort of self help, I, I think it becomes apparent. But if you're you know a, a hardcore scientist or a biochemist or something, that's probably foreign territory. So walk me through what what is this wound you're talking about? And given that I'm an adult now, why would it matter? 
So I think everybody can kind of get behind that, that there's that moment in time when they were growing up, that there was, there was, it's, we can call it like a detour or a descent from a descent from that place of happiness and connection to a place of not feeling good enough or adequate. And so we could look at a moment of, um, let me give you an example. In sixth grade, the boy I had a crush on told me I was stupid. So that moment in time set me on a path of not thinking I was smart enough. When it came time to write my first book, I was paralyzed. I almost didn't write the book because I didn't think I was smart enough. So thankfully, I had enough personal growth tools and a spiritual relationship to help me overcome that. And how now I've authored six books and number (laughs) one New York Times bestsellers and saved a lot of lives, truly, truly. And so if we don't, if we, if we don't do the work to unravel and unlearn the belief systems that we pick up in those seemingly insignificant moments, then they become the path of our life and block us from our greatest gifts and our greatest contribution to the world. And so it's, it's my mission to really help people unlearn those belief systems. It, it takes a lot of vulnerability to talk about stuff like that. Uh, just to support what you said there, Gabby, I've done a lot of personal development work with entrepreneurs and and very successful people doing neurofeedback at 40 years of Zen. Every single one of them, without exception, and me, (laughs) are still running these, you know, whatever, multi-million dollar companies and, and hedge funds or whatever. And they're doing it with those same sixth grade experiences yeah. where, you know, yeah. they were bullied or, you know, someone was mean to them or, or they were abandoned or, or things like that. And it's affecting their companies. It's affecting their relationships. It's affecting their yeah. kids, their whole lives. But this isn't something that a lot of people are aware of, like the connections there. Can you yeah. talk to the audience about why it isn't? so obvious? Like, like, did you know when you were frozen, when you're writing your first book and you had that voice in your head saying, you know, you're not smart enough to do this. Did you know that that came from sixth grade or is it just a voice in your head? In that instance, I did know how, but in other, it's, it was a, it was a con, it was, I I had like, well, I had done enough personal growth work to really uncover what those stories were. And I could really look back and I knew, I knew because of that commitment that I'd made to my own well being that this was the voice that was holding me back. But 10 years into my personal growth, spiritual recovery, sobriety. I was 10 years sober, 10 years in this business. It's now been 12. I uncovered even more that I had dissociated from. So to your point, we can be high functioning. We could have authored five bestsellers. We could be doing all this great work in the world and still be running and still be hiding from belief systems and stories and memories that we still are burying. And we bury those belief systems because there's a feeling of shame and inadequacy and a feeling of being unlovable that lives underneath those feelings and and that experience. And it is so debilitating and terrifying to go there. But the, the irony is that when we do, we feel free. And that's a huge, I mean, this whole beat that we're talking about here, this whole section of, of looking at that wound or witnessing your judgment and then looking at the wounds beneath it, that process is the first and second step of this book. All right. Walk me through that first step. So the first step is to witness your judgment without judgment. We can't change anything in our life unless we are willing to change. We can't change anything unless we have 
the awareness that there's something to change. So to your point, you just said all these people running these seven figure businesses and they're, they're, you know, running their businesses, but they don't realize that they're running a business and also running from their happiness, right? Right. Or, or, or micromanaging or, you know, feeling like they're going to be taken advantage of. That was a big one for me, an old wound. It's like, I'm, I'm constantly judging because I feel like someone's going to attack me or take advantage of me. So they've got all these stories that we play on repeat that are really dictating our relationships and our businesses and our lives. So we have to witness first and foremost, the ways that we're judging before we can look at those wounds, because the judgment is the effect of the wound. So starting to look at the ways that you're judging. So are you judging your coworkers to play it safe? Are you judging yourself? Are you judging your partner? Are you judging? And you don't need to understand why quite yet. But in that first step, I have a whole breakdown, a whole chart where you ask yourself a series of questions and you do an audit of your judgment and you ask yourself, what is my judgment? And why do I justify it? Really giving yourself an opportunity to totally justify it, but then taking a deeper dive and looking, what are the stories that may be informing this belief system? And what's my part in this? And that's really the step in really beginning to uncover the belief systems and experiences from your past that have been the catalyst for this judgmental behavior. The next step in the book, step two, is to, to honor the wounds. And there's a beautiful practice called emotional freedom technique, which I teach EFT, mm-hmm. otherwise known as tapping. And I use EFT in the book to really help readers begin to start to tap into the belief systems and, and energetic disturbances that live beneath that negative pattern. Uh, let's talk about judgment of tapping. Yeah. <laughs> right okay. now. So, so there's a bunch of, uh, of science trolls online uh, and a science troll, by the way, is just someone who likes to insult you because they're judging you. Uh, but they also include links to some study or another and, uh, and to go through, down this line of reasoning that says that can't work. Therefore it doesn't. Mm. <laughs> so just talk about okay. tapping and EFT for a minute. I've seen people have profound results from it. Uh, yeah. I can't, I can't tell you exactly how it works, but just walk, walk through sort of the, the, the science of that or just the experience of it. So that people either haven't heard of it or people who are thinking that sounds too woo woo for me, just like, what is yeah. it? And, and how does it work? What have you seen? Well, tapping is a really profound practice. It's similar to uh, EMDR therapy. It's it's stimulating your brain. So it's uh, tapping on different energy meridians while talking about the emotional disturbance. And what happens is, is that you are not necessarily having to relive the traumatic event or remember anything specific or significant. You're actually just having to talk about the emotions that come up around it or maybe some specific aspects of it. And in talking about it while you're tapping on these different energy meridians, you're actually stimulating the amygdala to unlock that traumatic wound, unlock the emotional disturbance. And so the, 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 the miracle with tapping is in a 10-minute tapping session, you could have been at a level 10 in your judgment towards your boss, and in 10 minutes of tapping, you could be at a zero. It's, I, I experience the shifts whenever I tap. I've had the privilege of taking people through the process and healing their traumatic events or memories or even minor issues, minor, minor annoyances can be healed through a tapping experience. I was walking through the airport last night in Seattle and I saw a guy in a three piece suit with a thousand dollar briefcase tapping. Yes, <laughs> yes, it, was, yes. it was so funny. You're just yes, standing there yes. doing it like, yeah, that's, that's cool. Great. And we've seen some, I gotta pro- get on this plane, even though I got to get on this plane. Yes. Exactly. And, and we, and we've seen a bunch of like uh, professional sports people have been seen tapping on the field 
And awesome. what this is like, it's, it's one of the modes that your body can go into that you probably don't know about. And so, you know, exactly how it works. Um, I, I would say that there's a lot we don't know <laughs> at the subcellular level yeah. or about distributed nervous system function. I can tell you, you don't have to know how something works for it to serve you. It, yeah. The first cavemen could not explain fire, but they stayed warm. And the ones who didn't stay warm are not our ancestors, right? So, and right. over time, we learn how things work. But I would say there's enough evidence now. Uh, and it's it's readily apparent that people doing personal development and therapy and all have incorporated EFT and tapping and EMDR and technologies like that. So I, I love it that you put that in the book and you're teaching people how to just use those built-in body capabilities that they probably don't know about. So thank you for putting that in the book because it that stuff does matter. Totally. And you and I want people to have <laughs> relief. I don't want them to carry these, these systems forever. You can have relief quickly. And that's my, my hope. Now, when we talk about judgment, you also talk about, you know, believing your own story, sort of. And one of the things I used to have a big problem with was someone would cut in front of me in traffic. And then my story was like, oh, they're doing that because they think they're better than me. And so then I would like get extra exercise of my middle finger. So I had like incredibly ripped muscles on my middle finger when I would drive uh, <laughs> because uh, I was, you know, it would make me really mad. And in the course of doing my own work and understanding what's going on in my head, I'm like, look, the story I'm telling myself is entirely untrue. They could be cutting in front of me because they're on the way to the hospital to see a relative right. who's dying, right? I just don't have right. any idea. Like, my story is completely made up BS. So I was judging them and I was putting a story in that was really pissing me off and causing me pain and like sucking my energy and probably got me a ticket or two over the course of years. And it was behavior that didn't serve me or anyone else, yet it used my energy. And, mm. and that's why I wanted you to, to talk about judgment detox on the show today, because everyone listening to this does it to some degree or another, whether they're aware of it or not. And it represents a vast well of untapped or of untapped energy. Like it's going yeah. somewhere. It's just not going anywhere useful. It's like stop yeah. that and save the energy and you can use it to improve your sleep. You can use it to like play with your kids. You can, you can do anything you want with it, but it's like it's just it's almost unethical to allow it to sit there. Uh, because totally. it, you're towing a boat anchor around with you that you don't even know about. You're nailing it because, first of all, your listeners are people who are high performers. They're really looking to j just get to a place where they can use their energy to their greatest, as, as their greatest asset, as their greatest resource. When we judge, we deplete our energy. Yeah. We weaken our immune system. We create blocks between our relationships and our connections. So ultimately we're blocking our power to attract what we want into our life and blocking our power to perform at our highest capacity. So if, you know, if anyone's listening, they're like, well, why would I give up judgment? Do you want to be a true high performer? Do you want to really feel like you can achieve what it is that you're here to bring, bring forth in the world? This would definitely be a huge step. A lot of people, when they think about this, they'll tell you, well, I judge things to keep myself safe. Right, totally. right. Because I like judgment is, is serving me because I'm you know, judging that this person is, is a bad person. I don't want to be around them. Uh, they, they might you know, be dangerous or they might want to steal from me or you know, they might be whatever. Uh, so what about that argument? I mean, isn't I there would, a use I would for challenge this? that person to look more closely because there's obviously the discernment of feeling like, OK, someone doesn't look safe. I'm going to walk in a different room. But we take that same great protector mechanism of judgment, not just into those moments when we feel like someone's not safe in the room, 
but into the moments when we get on a phone call with a coworker that doesn't seem like they're, that feel like they might take advantage of us or when we get into a relationship or so that same pattern of feeling unsafe and using judgment as a way to protect yourself doesn't just show up in those moments when you're actually literally protecting yourself. It shows up everywhere. So it, it, it's a, it's an issue that's going to continue to pop up until you get to the core of why it's there. Ultimately, uh, it, and it's also debilitating in your relationships. It really can affect your relationship. I, I've seen so much freedom and, and deeper connection as a result of practicing these principles with my husband. My husband edited the book before I submitted it to my publisher. Oh, that, and, by the way, that takes balls. <laughs> like that's courage right there to have a family. No, no, no. For you to say you want a family member to, uh, uh, to review the book. Like that's, that's a big thing. Wow. Okay. How I, did that go down? I, well, my husband runs my business. So we work together okay. and, He's a lot smarter than I am in many ways. So I, I listen, I, I, I mean, listen, we both have our strengths and, 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 and some of his strengths are just tremendous. And he happens to be a really good writer oh, and he also happens to be a really linear thinker and I'm such a big thinker and I have all these big ideas all over the place. So the main edit that he does is not a line edit but it's more of a fluidity edit. So he'll look through the book and he'll say, does this story make sense before this story or does it need to be moved around? And he's really like checking, does this make sense? Is this creating? Oh, oh, sorry, didn't mean to interrupt you there. Uh, You don't feel judged when he's like, you know what, you did it in the wrong order. Mm, No, that's not an issue I have. Okay, cool. Yeah, so like I, I, I I don't feel any vulnerability or unworthiness around someone editing my work, particularly him or, or really the people that I've put, put it, put around me. Uh, I've got other issues, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> so, so one story that, that you could tell yourself, and I, I think this is a common one is that, you know, anyone who's editing your work is editing your work because it's not good enough. Okay. There's your self judgment and all that stuff. That's story. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and the other story is someone's editing your work because they're helping you. Right. And, Making it better. Yeah. Like that's kind of the story. That's the same thing. Like I, I've asked Lana to read through my books, uh, because she's a medical doctor. I'm like, right. did, did I, did I miss something? Is, you know, right. do we have some disagreement where we should go look at research again and things like that? But I also could be like, you know, she's, she's going to tell me I'm wrong sort of thing. Right. 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 If if someone is new to to being aware that they, you know, that they have these two sides of a coin where in this example, we're both talking about, you know, someone looks at your work and and it's either uh, like a, you know, criticism uh, or it's helpful. What if it actually is criticism? Like this is a piece of crap, right? What's, what's the response? Like, like what, what would you recommend people do like that? Because there are times where people just are being critical, not because they're helping you. Correct. Correct. So there's two, there's two things I want to touch on here. One, you're awesome to point out the two sides of the coin. I think it's a really great, valuable thing for people that are listening now to start to think about the ways that they're reacting to what's happening in their lives. Because if you notice yourself judging a situation, it's because in some way you've been triggered. So you, 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 Dave could have your wife read your book and you could get triggered by it. Where Gabby, I don't get triggered by, I'm not saying that's the case, but yeah. I wouldn't get triggered by it. So two totally, the same exact scenario, the same exact edit, but we could have two totally different experiences based on our own personal, personal background and belief systems. So just to start to pay attention, anyone that's listening, when you find yourself judging, like how dare you edit my work in that way or whatever it may be, 
it's that's your opportunity to stop pointing the finger at others and start to look within and say, what is what's what's up for me here? Now, if someone's actually straight up legit just coming at you, there's two ways that you could react. One, there's many instances in my life where someone could be coming at me, but it doesn't trigger me. Right. So I know that there's nothing for me to heal there. I can see it and I can say, that's your stuff. It's all good. You know, I pray for you. I want you to be happy. And I can walk away and be like, whoa, that's their story, right? Yep. Other instances, I can say, I can feel deeply wounded. How dare you? I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to go for it. And, and that's the opportunity once again for me to look within. So whenever you're, whenever you're dealing with feeling judged, the question you want to ask yourself is, am I triggered? And then do the deeper dive in step one of looking at why. So you, you could be criticized and not be triggered at all. That's very possible. I'm sure you've had those experiences in your life. I, I went through one that really pushed some buttons for me. I had a, a relatively well-known person try and just destroy my reputation because they were an investor in one of my competitors. And mm. it involved, you know, a thousand or so trolls coming to my website and just like, you know, basically just crapping all over it. And it was premeditated right. and financially motivated, but it actually pushed a bunch of buttons for me. And, and of course, these are tied back to like, um, you know, bullying kinds of stuff. A lot of Hold guys up. have that going on. And I've done a lot of personal development work. I'm like, okay, uh, the normal forgiveness stuff um, that, that I would do, I even with, uh, uh, even with neurofeedback, I was, I, I couldn't find the situation. I didn't know what the trigger was, but I knew I was getting triggered. And I ended up doing EMDR, which is in that same yeah. vein of, of tapping because yeah. I wanted, uh, it turns out I was doing EMDR with a, a former SAS hostage negotiator. So this is like someone who really knows how to dig into your head. <laughs> and she, Sounds good. Uh, yeah, I was like, Oh, there you go. Something happened to me in first grade. <laughs> and literally yeah. that was the emotion that was getting triggered. And when I, uh, when I, I let that go, it's, it went from like, I feeling like I was going to die from all this crap to just being like, hold on, say my name. Because the truth of the matter is that every time this person did that, my sales went up and, yeah. it, and it's like, yeah. great, well, just keep talking about me. Like, it doesn't matter what you say, yeah. you're still helping my company because yeah. you know, the facts are on my side and yeah. it, just those two stories was, you know, one, like this, this could destroy me uh, and it's not fair. And the other one is like, whatever. Right. Yeah. And to, to be in that whatever mode, I, I would just offer, I, I would suggest to people listening that it's worth reading Judgment Detox and it's worth just going through that. What you just said, look, if you are triggered by anything, it's not the thing that triggered you. It's your own programming that triggered you. And that when 100 percent, yeah, when yeah. you've mastered that, you become maybe more aware. And and I have a question that, that I'm leading up to here. And it's earlier on, uh, you said something about the difference between judgment and discernment. Can you talk about what discernment is versus judging yourself or judging a situation or a person? We need discernment to the same way we need our fight or flight mechanism in our brain that says, don't run into the middle of the street, don't run towards a tiger, right? So it's like we have this built-in system that says that's not safe. But we have to be conscious of not taking that not safe into every corner of our life because that's, ends, that's what ends up being the debilitating experience that we have. And I'm really glad that you are, are you know, encouraging people to go there because in terms of really acknowledging your own experience with the MDR and just having, having the relief 
you can literally, when you do something like EFT or do something like EMDR, you can walk into a scenario where you've had carried some kind of reactive state or for, you know, 38 years. And then you can walk out a different, totally different. Like in my case, I had knives up. Like if I felt like if you mess with me, you mess with death row, knives are up. And in the practices of EFT, then I got to, I put the knives down literally. So that's, that's something that I, I wanted to just reinstate. But, that's, but if someone was actually messing with you, the knives would come out and you'd be happy to stab in the eye. Is that the case? So, you know, I think that, that when it, when it comes to, uh, being the, the, the difference between discernment and being triggered into a state of judgment is two different things, right? So yeah. that, that place of discernment, if someone's really messing with you and you need to take action and you need to, to find a way to find your way out of it, I think that, that you would want to do that from a place that's not triggered as well, right? Because I imagine yeah. that once you healed that trigger, you're probably much more well-equipped to handle the trolls that were coming after you. Oh, yeah. So, it, yeah, it doesn't so, cost. It doesn't cost you anything at that point, right? Right. But whereas before, there's an emotional burden when you do it, right? And, and so that that's a very long answer to, to the earlier question of, you know, isn't judgment serving you? No, discernment serves you. Judgment is when that's you correct. react to the situation. Discernment is when you're aware of the situation, and you're that's not right. asking people to give up awareness of the situation in order to give up the ability to make a choice. You're offering them a way to make a better choice that comes from the place where things really are. Right. And the beauty of this practice is that the interesting thing is, is that once you, once you heal the root cause condition behind the judgment, you ironically stop attracting the same situations because you're no longer a match for it. You're no longer so vulnerable that people that want to come after you will come after you because you're not in that vulnerable state anymore. So you, you shift your energy in such a way and you shift out your, your, your frequency in such a way that you literally no longer are a match for the drama. That's the beauty here. Uh, That may sound a little bit mystical there. That's from my experience for sure. And yeah, it's not mystical. If you look at what a martial artist will teach you, uh, if you walk down, you know, an alley at night and you walk like you've got, you've got your stuff together, you're much less likely to be a victim of crime. hundred percent. Right. And, and it, it's the, the posture that you bring to the world. And it's more than just how you move your body. Like it, there's an energy to it. And so it's like, you know, I'm, you, you just don't attract that stuff. And, and so that, like with, um, a lot of people do horse therapy, right? Where mm-hmm. they, where they, uh, the, the whole concept there being that the horse can read you energetically. And so it's when you are in that calm, relaxed, centered state, that's when you can have an, a very pleasant exchange. And this is the way we are in the world as well. We have to, we, we really, uh, I always say our vibes speak louder than our words. We really don't give the energy that we have and the thoughts that we think enough credit. Even your thoughts have a frequency. So when you change those thoughts, they start, you genuinely begin to see your life change. What are some of the other steps? We talked about a couple of them. The other steps that you talk about in the judgment detox. There's so many great steps. There's six steps in this book. And they're, they're, one that's really beautiful is to see for the first time. I share a personal story in this, in this chapter about some issues I was having with my father and, and having a whole experience of seeing him. I don't want to tell the whole story because it's really good. I want them sure. to read it. <laughs> but, but having experience of seeing him in his light. And seeing him respected by a community and seeing him. So seeing him through the lens of compassion and through the lens of pride 
was what allowed me to dissolve the stories of the past. So this is a whole step on practicing seeing someone for the first time. It can be very empowering, particularly in a marriage, to dissolve those stories through the practices in this chapter. There's uh, another chapter about putting love on the altar, uh, where, which really means we begin to proactively change the daily thought patterns that we have. We, when we want to change the way we think about things, and become, it's, it's often something that we have to become very conscious of. So we have to replace those negative thought patterns with a new one. And so I give a lot of uh, I, I, a lot of affirmations and prayers throughout that chapter that really help you begin to change your thought patterns. And then the fifth step is uh, meditating for oneness, which is six meditations that are meant to do be done over a six day period to do almost like a real mental washover of your psyche, so that you can come out feeling a lot of relief. And then the final step is forgiveness, and I save that till the end because I felt like we needed the heavy lifting to get there. The the F word, huh? The F word. No, we come back to that. We <laughs> now, gotta come back. Now, I'm a huge fan of, of forgiveness, and I, I talk a lot in my recommendations about gratitude. And if you can find something to be grateful for, you can take the next next step to forgiveness. But a lot of people are like, why would I forgive that son of a bitch? Right. And so, what's what's in it for you when it comes to forgiveness? Like, why do you recommend this? I want to be free. <laughs> as long as I'm unforgiving. I am taking that bat and hitting myself over the head with it <laughs> because ultimately every day that you repeat the cycle of resentment and attack, you're reliving the, the experience that you don't want to have. So forgiveness is really, people think it's for the other person. It's really a selfish, selfish act. It's for you. The other person has a great benefit as well, but it's really for you. If you forgive another person, do you have to tell them? No, not at all. Not at all. The vast majority of people think, just like you said, you know, forgiveness is about the other person telling them that you forgive them. It's an internal act, right? Totally. What, what is in the forgiveness step? What are the things you recommend people do so that they can achieve forgiveness, whether or not they tell the other person that they've forgiven them? So the beauty of the step of forgiveness is it's quite passive. It's a lot of, it's first and foremost, your willingness to forgive, which is required. That's why I made this the last step, because I believe that we had to go through all these other steps of really looking at our part and undoing our mental patterns and claiming our sense of oneness through meditation. We had to get do all that heavy lifting to get to the place where we could say, actually, I am willing to go bigger. I'm willing to feel free. So that real first step is the willingness to forgive. And then the second step is to choose again, to really claim it and choose it. Say, I choose, I choose to see this differently. I choose to see through the lens of love. I choose to practice forgiveness. I choose to welcome a change. And then the third step is to really allow. And this is something that's really difficult for people, but the irony is it's not an active, an active thing at all. It's allowing forgiveness to unfold. The moment that we are willing and we state it, we're opening up our consciousness to receive new experiences. It's, it's, it's quite simple. It's like the second you start to redirect your point of focus, you start to see things that are in alignment with that point of focus, right? So if your daily point of focus is, I hate this person, I hate this person, they hurt me, they hurt me, they hurt me, I want to fight them, I want to fight them, all you're going to do is continue to get hit with triggers and more stories and more dramas. But the moment that you redirect that focus by saying, I'm willing to forgive and really claiming that, you open up your consciousness to start to see things differently. So that's really that final beat there is to really just allow and witness 
And the things that can happen in that space when you've opened up your consciousness to forgive, the things that can happen, and I think you may have experienced this in your life, the things that will happen is like maybe that person calls you out of the blue or possibly (laughs) you see something on social media that's the exact message you needed to hear or you listen to an audio like this and it starts to open you up to see things differently. So something that you need will be presented to you once you open up to receive it. And it doesn't have to sound too metaphysical and heady. I mean, it's really like change your point of focus and what you see will begin to change. It's to the point where some of the deep work that we do at at 40 Years of Zen, the the neurofeedback thing, uh, is around heavy-duty forgiveness. And I've just lost track of the number of times where people are like, yeah, yesterday I did this work on my parents or a relative, or, and I haven't talked to them in 10 years. And, you know, they just texted me that night. Totally. Like, it's it's to the point that it's so far from being a random occurrence. You're like, yeah, that just yeah. sort of happens. Can, can either of us say the pathways of how that works? No, we could make up a bunch of, you know, it's well, because it's, of the quantum resonance of the it, rainbow it, it unicorns. Dude, it, but, but here's yeah, the thing, we don't know. We don't know yet. Maybe it's quantum, but the thing is, we know that it's happening and we could study it some more, but you don't have to know to recognize that it's happening. You can observe it, right? Yeah, you can observe it. You don't need to know. You can you can just really chalk it up to you changing your energy and that can be yeah. felt miles and miles and miles away. It yes. can be felt. Your shift can be felt. Right. And who knows? I, I'm really hopeful that with some of the new sensing technologies and some of the more geeky stuff, that we'll eventually be able to figure out how and why all that stuff works because we'll have even more power to make ourselves better when we do that. Just like 20 years ago, they say acupuncture, it's totally a scam. It can't possibly work. And now they're like, yeah, we just didn't have tools that could tell that there were electrons flowing on the skin there. But now that we have those, we were, you were putting the needles in exactly the place. And they're like, yeah, we didn't know there were electrons there either, but we could tell it worked. And a lot of the the cutting edge biohacking and, and I would say half at least of the personal development stuff is these are the things we have observed to work and we don't know all the mechanisms yet. And, but just to say that's okay, because one of the judgments that people make is if we don't know why it works, it doesn't work. And like that's a core judgment that drives uh, almost all skepticism. Right. And it is a judgment. It's just a story that says it's not safe to use it unless I have a story that I know how it works, even if the story is wrong. It just makes me feel safe. And, and I, right. I, I found that that was something as I was working on becoming better, that was actually a judgment that was really getting in my own way where, where I'm yeah. like, I'm not going to try that uh, because, you know, it, it's not science or whatever it is. But when all the science stuff didn't work, I'm like, I guess I'm sort of desperate. And that helped me to explore a lot of the personal development realm, which was especially 20 plus years ago, it was sort of clothed in this almost like, uh, like the woo woo clothing, but, but also just like, that's something that successful people don't do. Now that I've been so fortunate to, ha- to hang out with some of the world's most successful people, every single one of them has done meaningful amounts of personal development work. Yeah. And, and that's how they got where they are, right? And, yeah. and so I, and I, I may be rambling a little bit there, but the, the whole point there is that you can judge the idea of judgment and say, I'm, I'm going to judge that this whole conversation uh, is is not scientific enough for me, or it, it's it's I'm too strong for this, or it's only for weak people, or it's only for women. All of those are just judgments. Like that's just a story you're telling yourself in your head. Bottom line is and- you got you got to dig in on this stuff. 
And that's okay. You know, I think that if you're still in that place, but you're open to something more scientific, then that's where you're at today. So when you think about it, it's like, I think you'd say the same thing about your readers. It's like, I'm a, you know, people say, who's your reader? I'm like, my readers right now for this book, somebody who's willing to feel better, really somebody who's willing (laughs) to feel better. And if they're not really willing to give up these stories and they want, they want scientific proof, that's okay. You know, that's where you're at today and the book will still be there when you're ready or somebody else's book will be there when you're ready. So don't judge your judgment is really the big message. The whole first step. It's like, if you're listening to me right now and you're like, okay, this girl wrote this book, what judgment decent, but I just can't stop freaking judging her. That's okay. That's okay. It's all good. (laughs) It's, you know, it may not be for you. Go read Dave's book, you know? So I think that there's, I think that there's power in, in just, in just being where you're at and being not thinking you need to be somewhere else. So if you're still in the story of I need scientific proof, stay there as long as you need to stay there. It's all good. Be gentle with yourself. Is there a time when judgment is actually the right thing to do? Like it's a useful tool. I don't think it's, I think other than the, 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 the practices of discernment that we've been talking about, I don't think it's useful. I really don't think it's useful. I think that we can choose to not be a part of someone's life or we can choose to no longer work with somebody or, or fire an employee or, or whatever we need to do because it's not working anymore. But if you do that from a place of judgment, it's going to live with you forever. It'll, it'll linger. It'll, it will not be clean. It will create more drama. If you do it from a place of compassion and kindness, it will all work out perfectly. So I don't think there's a place for judgment other than the place of discernment that we've been speaking of. I, I'm glad you said that. <laughs> I wasn't sure where, where you'd go with it. Uh, I believe that, that you've basically got awareness plus ego equals judgment. And when you can just have the awareness without the ego, then it's discernment. It's just, it's awareness. And then you can, like you said, make a decision with kindness, even if it's a hard decision versus making it with fear and anxiety or hatred or whatever else it is, Yeah, uh, which is, which is a, a beautiful place to be. And certainly the highest performance place to be. Totally. All right. You've told a couple really good stories about you know, working with your husband and your dad and your book is full of sort of personal anecdotes which I think makes it easy to read. It makes it really real where like, look, you know, you're a five times successful author. You're on Oprah's stage and on Dr. Oz, and, you know, you're, you're a, a very successful person. Uh, but you're also like, I've dealt with this stuff, which requires vulnerability. What is the relationship between being vulnerable and judging? When we can be comfortable with our vulnerability much of the self-judgment that we once had dissolves because one, we are coming when you're the, in order to be vulnerable, you must be self-compassionate because vulnerability is a scary place to be sometimes. If you're not in a, if you don't, if you cannot practice self-compassion and if you're, and if you're judging yourself and it's very difficult to be vulnerable. So, uh, and vulnerability can be very healing when it comes to self-attack and judgment because there's so much freedom in just being real, not laying down your pretenses, no longer trying to be someone that you think you should be. And when you actually have that experience of just telling the truth and allowing yourself to speak and teach and, and live from a place of authenticity, you, a lot of that judgment begins to dissolve because 
you're nothing's left. It's, it's, this, this is, the, this is the truth. So what else can I get at? You know, how else can I attack myself? I've just told the truth. I really felt like I judged myself a lot more when I wasn't telling the truth, when I wasn't really being vulnerable, the more vulnerable and authentic I've become, the less judgmental I've become of myself. Now we've kind of crossed over from just judgment to vulnerability because uh, certainly for me, I dealt a lot with that. A lot of guys probably have a harder time of vulnerability than, than yeah. some women, just because we're taught uh, when you're young, you know, be tough and things like that. Right. So if you're worried about being judged, whether it's self-judgment or being judged by other people, that makes you want to be less vulnerable, right? Mm -hmm. And it mm -hmm. feels incredibly unsafe to be like, all right, I'm going to be vulnerable because all these people are going to be attacking you, but they're really mm -hmm. just judging you. Mm -hmm. How would you recommend people listening to this? You're like, all right, I'd like to be able to be you know, judged just without giving a crap. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, is is there any? Are there any other little tricks other than to go through the six steps in in your book uh, that that can just make it more comfortable to to be criticized or to be attacked in that way? You can you can start small. You can start to just be a little bit more get yourself a little bit more comfortable telling the truth in your safer relationships. So, uh, I imagine you have a, a spouse or a friend or a, a family member that feels little safer, a little cleaner, less, not someone that's going to judge you, not someone that you've felt judged by and practice that vulnerability in those relationships, practice telling them, this is actually how I'm really feeling. This is how this is actually, really, this is what's up for me. So just beginning some sentences with, this is how I really feel could be very, very profound. And the interesting thing is vulnerability is like a muscle. The more you do it, the more comfortable you become with it. Uh, if you're out there and you're someone who wants to work in the field of personal growth or spirituality, vulnerability is required of you, I believe. In order to really be a genuine, profoundly impactful teacher, you have to teach from a place of truth. So uh, there are people out there listening. I know you are. I know you follow Dave. <laughs> so so my prayer for you is that you just really open up to to that vulnerability in the in the pursuit of something much bigger than you. Very, very well said. And, and that's, it's such a, a strange conversation to have because no one wants to be, quote, vulnerable because the, the connotation there is being unsafe. But someone who's comfortable being vulnerable when there is no real danger is actually the most comfortable person in the room, right? 100%. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and learn, learning that is one of the greatest skills you can get to, to perform better because all the stuff that gets in the way that mostly comes from your own automated reactions, it just drops away. And that's, yeah. that's an awesome place to be. Yeah. Now, Gabby, if someone came to you tomorrow and said, I want to perform better at every single thing I do as a human being, what are your three most important pieces of advice? What would you tell them? Have some kind of spiritual foundation of your own understanding. And I want to really reiterate your own understanding, whatever that may be. You don't even have to use the word spiritual, but personal growth, some type of path of deepening a connection to a presence, the presence of your intuition and your inner guidance system in whatever form that is showing up for you. I think that's, that's for me, mandatory in really be, being the person I want to be in life, having the experiences of life that I know will be the most fulfilling and most importantly, feeling safe and certain no matter what. So that would be number one. Number two, 
and this has nothing to do with the fact that this book is out right now, but, <laughs> but really, uh, clean up your, clean up your belief systems, your judgmental belief systems. Because as I said earlier, one of the biggest reasons that we're blocking our high performance is because of judgment, because it's keep, because we're stuck in those stories and those stories are what block us from our greatness. And so if we can begin to heal the wounds that live beneath those stories and release the judgments that we've been using as a protecting, protective mechanism, then we can really begin to thrive. So that would definitely be number two. And then the third thing I would say, and this is such a huge message right now, given the times that we're living in, is just be kinder. (laughs) Just be kinder with your thoughts, your actions, your words, your posts, your energy, just no matter what, in any given moment, check in with yourself and ask, could I have been kinder? How could I have been kinder? And that kindness is really the, the, our true nature. And when we start to live from that place of kindness, we really feel like a homecoming. We feel like we've returned to, to the presence of who we are. I love it that you brought up kindness. That might be the first time that someone has mentioned kindness. I, I fundamentally believe, Gabby, that we're wired to be kind to each other. And totally. when we're not kind to each other, it's because of judgment and ego or sometimes just biological stuff, your energy is too low, but it, it is our natural state. And whenever you're out of that state, it doesn't feel good. And so, we feel unconsciously guilty, yeah. right? So then we judge ourselves for not being kind. And it's a train wreck. <laughs> totally. So I, thank you for saying that. That was a, that was a particularly cool one. Uh, Cause if, if you're not living your life with kindness, like seriously, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> well, thank you for being on Bulletproof Radio. And for people listening, if you'd like to learn more about this understanding of of judgment and how you're probably doing it, even if you're not that aware of it, and what you can do to release it, I love specific defined processes, and Judgment Detox has a process that you can follow that that includes tools like the ability to do EFT. So if this is something that might have struck a chord for you, I would really recommend you read the book because you'll get a lot out of it. And if you decide not to read the book, then read some other book (laughs) about what's going on in your head and you'll be a better person uh, as a result of it. And you'll probably perform better as well. Uh, have, uh, Have a beautiful day. And Gabby, thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.